Friends, I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of Bishop Sheen Presents, a program where we feature some of the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. For over 50 years, Archbishop Sheen captivated audiences on both radio and television. Millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. It is my prayer that these meditations presented today will truly touch your heart and show you that your life is worth living. Hello, my good friends, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. Uh, Today, Bishop Sheen will be talking about freedom, and we'll be sharing with you a few uh, reflections. Uh, The first one is from 1944, where Archbishop Sheen will talk about the four freedoms. And these are freedoms that um, I think sometimes today we say, do we still have them? And and yes, we do, but uh, they're under attack. Again, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, the freedom from want, and the freedom from fear. Uh, These are the four freedoms that uh, we know to be, uh, again, our rights as um, individuals. They come from God, these freedoms, uh, but yet they're always under attack. And so uh, Archbishop Sheen will give us his lesson uh, from the war years and uh, remind us of these four freedoms. And then we will share with you the audio uh, portion of his television show, Life is Worth Living, And he gave a reflection on the topic of freedom uh, during one of those shows, and so we'll share that with you today. So uh, I hope you enjoy uh, these reflections. And so we will begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd ask you now to sit back and relax and enjoy one of the greatest communicators of our time, the Venerable Archbishop Sheen, as he gives a reflection on the four freedoms. God love you. The Right Reverend Monsignor Fulton J. Sheen now addresses the Catholic Hour audience. The title of Monsignor Sheen's talk is The Social Condition of World Peace. Monsignor Sheen. Friends, we trust that you have written for the free booklet entitled Friends. Friends. When you receive it, you will notice that it pleads with Christians to be friends with the Jews and with the Jews to be friends with Christians and with all to be friends with God. We trust, too, that you are setting aside an hour a day in prayer for peace with justice. For how can God be on our side unless we are on his? Continuing now our series on the moral law, 
Today we discuss the basic principle of the social order. Freedom is a moral power, not a physical power. Freedom could be understood in either of two ways, one of which is wrong and the other of which is right, namely as physical freedom and moral freedom. Physical freedom says I can do whatever I please. Moral freedom says I can do whatever I ought. Certainly you can do whatever you please. You can stuff your mattresses with old razor blades. You can turn machine guns on your neighbor's chickens. You can do these things. But ought you? Moral freedom is based not on power, but on the moral law of God. It envisages freedom within the law rather than outside of it. For the best self-expression is self-perfection. Physical freedom means license. The power to draw triangles with four sides. Giraffes with short necks. The power to plot against one's country and to break the commandments of God and of man on the theory that he who restrains individual egotism restrains freedom. Moral freedom, on the contrary, means purchasing the right to fly by obeying the laws of gravitation, the right to drive a car by obeying the traffic laws, the right to be American by obeying the laws of American, and the right to be a child of God by obeying the moral law. Now, the point we are making is that freedom is meaningless apart from the moral law. In order to prove it, let us glance at the four freedoms for which we are fighting in this war. You remember them? Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Not a single one of these freedoms is an end in itself. They have meaning only in the context of the moral law. Why, for example, should there be freedom of religion? Because of the sacredness and inviolability of the human person and his right to adore God according to the light of his conscience. Freedom of religion does not mean, therefore, the right to be anti-religious any more than the freedom to live means the right to murder. Why should there be freedom of speech? Because speech being an instrument is to be used for the proper purpose of speech. That is, for the communication of truth, goodness, knowledge, and information, and not for the diffusion of scandals, lies, treason, or immorality. Freedom of speech does not give one the right to destroy freedom of speech any more than the right to light a match gives one the right to burn down one's neighbor's house. Why should there be freedom from want? Because the necessities and the decent comforts of life are the material conditions for the development of personality and therefore for the salvation of the soul. Freedom from want no more gives one the right to abundance purchased by making others want than freedom to possess means the freedom to dispossess. 
And why should there be freedom from fear? Because peace of mind is the condition of culture. And culture is impossible when a man fears either the consequences of his own sins or the consequences of the sins of others. The right to freedom from fear never means the right to terrorize others any more than the murderer's fear of jail gives him the right to kill the judge. Freedom, therefore, is responsibility. And hence, freedom of religion will die if we shirk our responsibility to God. Freedom of speech will die if we shirk our responsibility to truth. Freedom from want will vanish if we shirk our responsibility to our fellow man. And freedom from fear will vanish if we shirk our responsibility to love those who are in distress. Four freedoms set in the moral law are therefore quite different from the four freedoms isolated from it. As a matter of fact, if you ever separated the four freedoms from the moral law, they would be wicked. So very wicked that they should be rejected, as they were rejected by our blessed Lord on four distinct occasions. Our Lord once rejected a false freedom of religion. Satan appeared to him on the mountaintop and unrolled before his mind's eye all the nations, kingdoms, and empires of the world in an increasing panorama of pomp and of power. And in one of the most frightening and terrifying statements in all scripture, Satan, pointing to all of these kingdoms and nations, said to our Lord, All these are mine. They are mine. And I will give them to thee, if falling down thou wilt adore me. Here was a freedom of religion in the false sense of the term. That is, the freedom to adore either God or Satan. And our blessed Lord rejected it. For he would not have a freedom of religion that meant the freedom to be anti-religious, diabolical, anti-God or anti-moral. And then he was once offered, too, a very false freedom of speech. Led before one of the judges, false charges and lies and accusations were hurled in his face. And the judge offered the divine master a false freedom of speech. The judge said, Answerest thou nothing to the things that are laid to thy charge by these men? But he held his peace. He would not speak. For freedom of speech ceases to be freedom of speech when speech may be used only to defend a lie. It is the truth that makes us free, not a lie. And our Lord rejected a false freedom from want. After fasting for, for 40 days... Satan appeared before our divine Lord and pointing to the little stones down below that resembled in appearance the Jewish bread. Satan suggested, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Evidently, Satan too believes in freedom from want. 
But our blessed Lord refused to accept Satan's abundance, for it would have been purchased at the cost of obedience to the divine will. Rejected a false freedom from fear. On Holy Thursday night, Judas led a band of soldiers down to the brook of the Kedron and into the garden to apprehend our divine Lord. Peter, in one of his rather frequent, impetuous moments, drew a sword and hacked off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Peter apparently believed in security or freedom from fear. But it was the wrong kind. And our blessed Lord, reprimanding Peter, said to him, Put up again thy sword into its place. For all that take the sword shall perish by the sword. No freedom from fear would the Savior of the world have if it were purchased at the cost of injury to a fellow man. Hence, not a single one of the four freedoms is an end in itself. Either they are means to the attainment of moral purposes or they are wicked. Freedom from something is meaningful only when we are free for something. And until we know what we want to be free for, there's not much use in struggling or fighting or waging a war. Very simply, what use is freedom of religion if there be no God to worship? What use is freedom of speech if there be no truth to defend? What use is freedom from want if such security is purchased at the cost of another's privation? What use is freedom from fear if such security is purchased at the cost of one's soul? Freedom, you see, means moral responsibility. And from it, these conclusions follow. First, we are talking a great deal in this war about the four freedoms, and we should talk about them. But we must not assume that we can give freedom to the enslaved peoples of Europe. All that we can do is to remove external hindrances to freedom. Freedom is from the spirit, not from power. We can no more give Europe freedom than we can give every European a soul. In order to be free, every man must make his own soul. Let us not then promise to Europe something that we cannot deliver. They have already been deceived too much. Communism promised them freedom through economic abundance and gave them spiritual destitution. Nazism promised them freedom through labor's realm and gave them totus realm. Fascism promised them freedom through law and gave them law without freedom. And democracy must not add to this tragic litany by promising a freedom which only God can give. We are not God, and we cannot give God's gifts. 
We enjoy God's liberty, but we do not create it. And hence, all that we can promise to Europe is to say this. We will take the shackles off your legs so you can walk out of your prisons and get down on your knees and remake your soul. We can say to them, we will make you freed men. But only God and his grace can make you free men. More than that, we cannot say short of swollen egotism and vile blasphemy. And secondly, we must appreciate the fact that freedom is not an heirloom which originally belonged to the founding fathers of our country and now belongs to our generation. Freedom is rather an endowment like life. And it is preserved by resisting from time to time the challenge of disease and death and slavery and the forces of evil. The freedom, for example, that George Washington won for us has not come down to us as an antique. Freedom of those days is not freedom for our day unless we win it for our day as they did by sacrifice and by fire and by tears. A freedom that costs nothing is worth nothing. It is not the original cost of freedom that is high. It is the upkeep. Freedom is not foolproof. It demands restraint and law and obedience and discipline, a freedom that is strong enough to enforce discipline. And finally, freedom is ours only to give away. We want freedom in order that we may make our choices. But do we appreciate the fact that every man in the world gives his freedom away? He gives it either to creatures, to public opinion, or to God. To creatures. That happens when a man surrenders his freedom for money, for power, or for a human being. For all love is slavery. A slavery which seeks to unburden itself for the object of affection. Then there are others who give up their freedom to the moods and opinions of the moment. And oh, how many they are. Swayed by the winds of every commentator and propagandist, they have no judgments of their own, no standards of their own. And thus, while mouthing slogans of liberty, they surrender the last vestige of it to a slavery worse than chains. For by obeying propaganda, even the mind is bound. And finally, others give up their freedom to God, wanting nothing, seeking nothing, desiring nothing, except to do his will in all things in a slavery to perfect truth and perfect love and perfect life, which is the highest kind of freedom. For to serve him is to rule. 
There is not a man alive who does not make one of these three surrenders. To whom do you give your freedom? To creatures? To propaganda? Or to God? If I have any influence, please choose the last. For then your freedom will be eternal. As our blessed Lord said, if the Son of God shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. God love you. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen presents, hosted by Al Smith. Well, my dear friends, I hope you enjoyed that first reflection from Archbishop Sheen as he talked about the four freedoms. And I think we all can agree that uh, our freedoms are under attack. And, um, you know, we think of the freedom of religion, we think of the freedom of speech, and, of course, the freedom uh, against fear, and, of course, the freedom uh, from want. And uh, yet, uh, somehow, we live in a little bit of fear, and uh, of course our freedom of speech has been challenged a great deal, um, not just in the United States of America, but in Canada and all over the world for that matter. So, uh, And of course the freedom of religion is um, uh, sadly under great attack, and so uh, we are very vulnerable, and so we have to continue to uh, fight the good fight, uh, say our prayers and speak up. And uh, this is one thing that I think we're realizing. Uh, Again, the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen is ringing true today. Uh, Many people are just looking to his prophetic writings, and uh, these prophetic writings come from the 1940s, where he predicted many of the things that are happening today. And so I think we have to take his talk seriously. But uh, again, let us pray for, again, the freedom of religion to be... Uh, you know, again, very much on our side. And um, I know a lot of times we continue to pray, God, please be on our side. God, help us. But are we really saying to God, are we on your side? Are we fighting for your kingdom? And so, uh, again, we have to just uh, know that uh, freedoms uh, were given to us by God, uh, but we can exchange our freedom for something else. And so uh, this is the uh, challenge that's put before us each and every day. And so, uh, again, these uh, freedoms um, that uh, have been disappearing, sadly, I think in some countries, let us pray for these freedoms to return and be preserved. And so, uh, again, I'm grateful for uh, the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen and um, grateful that I was able to uh, put a lot of this into some books that were released uh, recently through the good folks at Sophia Institute Press, and uh, we re-released A Declaration of Dependence, uh, a beautiful 1941 book by Archbishop Sheen, where he uh, just uh, really explains what is going on today. And of course, uh, War and Peace, an anthology, is another book that we released that contained five of Sheen's books during the war years. But especially there is the book on the seven pillars of peace. And we've been going through those pillars of peace over the last few weeks here uh, on the program. And, of course, The Greatest Commandment, which is a a beautiful book that he put out in 1944, 
under the title Love One Another, and it truly explains how we can all get along. Uh, Protestants and Catholics and Jews and uh, people of all different races and religion and culture, uh, there is a peace plan that's uh, extended to us through the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen. And again, we have to put God on our side, and uh, but most importantly, be on God's side uh, and put uh, the Lord first. You know, that beautiful scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added unto you. And so, uh, again, I encourage you to pick up a copy of any or all of these books that I mentioned, and they're available through Sophia Institute Press at sophiainstitute.com. And uh, there's always that uh, bookstore called Amazon that uh, uh, sells these books. But uh, I always like to shop local, and uh, I think we all have our local uh, Catholic bookstore that uh, we like to Uh, give them some business, and so please do that. But again, these fine writings by Archbishop Sheen, uh, published by Sophia Institute Press. All right, Uh, we will now, um, of course, enjoy uh, Fulton Sheen at his best from his television years, and many of us watch, uh, you know, Bishop Sheen on YouTube, and uh, again, there's, um, I think there's almost close to 150 uh, YouTube videos uh, featuring Sheen's uh, years on television in the 1950s and the 1960s. Uh, there's lots of them. And, of course, people have been doing remixes of Taking the Best of Fulton Sheen. And I'm seeing some really good uh, compilations of uh, video clips. And so uh, there's not a day that goes by where someone is featuring uh, Archbishop Sheen. And so we're going to uh, play for you again uh, show under the title Freedom, and of course um, Fulton Sheen does it in his uh, very uh, charitable way, and so uh, looking forward to sharing that with you now. So uh, please just sit back and relax and enjoy the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen as he talks on the topic of freedom. Please enjoy. We received some interesting stories about children during the past week. It seems that uh, a few weeks ago we gave two talks on alcoholism And after the first one, we announced that the second one would be on the same subject. The following week, as we were about to begin, this little child called the mother saying, Mommy, Mr. Alcoholism is on again. (laughs) And we also heard from Chicago that they were announcing forthcoming productions on television. And they flashed an announcement of the Racket Squad. And then do you know what followed? My picture. And last week, we spoke on uh, juvenile delinquency, and shortly after the telecast, we received a telephone call here at the theater. It seems that four men were in this particular bar. They ordered four beers, and they were looking at our show. And as they were looking at it, the first one took a drink and spat it out. And the second one did the same, and the third and the fourth. And finally, the spokesman of the fourth said to the bartender, he says, what's the idea? This isn't beer. This is root beer. And the bartender said, listen, as long as you're looking at that man, that's all you get. We're not going to have any delinquent fathers in here. (laughs) Well, if those men are back in that bar tonight, let me tell them tonight I'm talking on freedom. Order your beers, boys. Well, 
freedom is a word that's very often used and not very often understood. As a matter of fact, freedom has two sides. One is freedom from something, namely from constraint and force. The other is the freedom for something, namely a goal or a purpose. This is concerned with means, this is concerned with ends and destiny. This is the bridge, this is the city. And the two must always go together. You cannot have a freedom from something without a goal or a purpose or a perfection. I heard of a rich man who went up to a taxi driver. He said to the taxi driver, are you free? Taxi driver says, yes, I'm free. The rich man left shouting, a raw for freedom. In other words, what's the use of being free unless you've got some destiny, some perfection? Now, let me show you how the two go together. Suppose you were going to take a trip. You were free to choose all your means. You must be free from constraint to take a train, free from force to take a plane, free from violence to walk. You may choose any means that you please. But you certainly ought to have a freedom for something or to be going someplace. Otherwise, you'd be just like a ship at sea without a rudder and without a port. You are free, for example, to choose any particular vocation you want in life. Follow any profession. Doctor, lawyer, musician, linguist. Makes no difference which. You ought to be free from constraint in order to do that. But... Once you decide on it, for example, you decide to become a linguist, the specialist in foreign languages, then you have a different kind of freedom. The more you study the syntax, the more you obey the laws of grammar, the more you subject yourself to correct vocabulary, know the tenses and genders and so forth, the more free you are to speak that particular language. You go into a restaurant to order food. Ever notice that when you go in, what you want is always scratched out? <laughs> You go in to order food, you can choose anything you please. But certainly your freedom from constraint, the waiter doesn't ram a dish down your throat. The purpose of it, the perfection of the choice, certainly is health. Therefore, the two, freedom from and freedom for, always go together. Now let us see what is happening to freedom in the modern world. There has been a divorce. That which God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And these great dualities which God joins, such as body and soul and husband and wife, are sometimes divorced and disjointed. And this negative and positive freedom are also divorced in our modern world with the result that today the freedom from something or the choice has been separated and divorced from the freedom for or perfection or goal or destiny. This is the error of Western civilization. 
and Western civilization has identified freedom with freedom from constraint. And it denies goals and purposes and ends. Communism, on the contrary, has this kind of freedom, law, order, perfection, but without a freedom of choice. Why these two must always go together? And I think a perfect example of how they go together is courtship. Suppose a young man is, is uh, proposing to a young woman. And he says, I want to marry you. I freely choose you out of every, every woman in New York. And she says, well, how do you know that you love me? Have you, uh, have you asked the 785,932 other eligible young women in New York? <laughs> now, if he's a good metaphysician, as he makes his proposal, and the proposal, incidentally, is a sentence that ends with a proposition... It's a young man's maiden speech. I, I heard of a young man who was called upon at a dinner once to give a... Excuse me, these things just flash across my mind. Here as I talk. Uh, he was giving a maiden's uh, speech at his wedding, and he had never talked before, but they said, you've got to say something. And he was very embarrassed, and to cover his embarrassment, he put his hand on the shoulder of his bride, and he began, this thing has been forced on me. <laughs> Well, to get back to the subject. You see, if you're using a teleprompter, you never could break in that way because the teleprompter had already gone ahead on you. And if the young man were a metaphysician, he would say to the young woman, well, in a certain sense, yes. He said, I have asked them because the mere fact that I choose you, I negate all of them. Love is not only an affirmation. Love is also a negation. And when I choose you, I am choosing what is perfect for me. And from now on, the only freedom I want is the freedom to be your slave. That is the perfection of freedom. Freedom in love. Now, in heaven, incidentally, there will be no freedom of choice. Did you know that? No freedom of choice. Why not? Because when you attain God, you're perfectly free. I mean, you're united with the perfect, and the perfect leaves nothing to choose. Just like the young man with the perfect woman. He doesn't want to choose anybody else. Now, coming back to the divorce and the separation, our Western civilization has this kind of freedom. Freedom from restraint alone. And the result is that our Western freedom is almost a license. Instead of a freedom, our Western freedom, as we understand it today, is something like, well, a farmer, for example, who uh, is free to plant any vegetable he pleases. So he plants um, cabbages. And then he decides they're not high half enough, so he plants cauliflower, because cauliflower is a cabbage with a college education. <laughs> then two weeks after he's done that, he uproots them, and he... he, he uh, plant some garlic. And he decides, no, this is terrible because the people who eat this stuff never practice breath control. So he does away with that. 
Then he tears them up and he plants onions. And then he's afraid they'll build you up physically and carry you down socially. So he uproots those. And then he plants some prunes. I mean some plums. And then he gets worried that they'll turn into prunes someday. Because after all, a prune is nothing but a worried plum. So he tears up the plums. And he has no goal, no purpose. And so the modern world, instead of working toward an ideal, changes the ideal and calls it progress. Why we do not know precisely in our Western world why we are living. Why go on educating unless we know the purpose of a man? The essence of his freedom is not merely to be free from constraint. From violence, he must have some objective and goal and perfection in life. So we speak of freedom of speech, as if it meant that there could never be any limitation upon freedom of speech. Certainly there is a limitation. Freedom of speech has an objective and a goal, namely the communication of truth and knowledge. I am not entitled, for example, to freedom of speech if I should abuse anyone on television. It should be taken away from me. Freedom of speech does not mean the right to shout fire in a theater. And all of our freedoms have certain goals and certain purposes and objectives. The result is that our the people of our Western world, simply because they do not know why they are living, they've never decided what they're going to do with their freedom, find it boring. They would like to surrender their responsibility. They're full of anxieties and worries, and there's nothing in life that is quite as boring as a purposeless existence. And simply because our Western civilization has not found the meaning and the purpose of life, simply because it concentrates upon freedom from something, our Western world is strong only in war and not in peace. It's strong only in war because it has the basic objective, at least, of defending our own existence. But it is not strong in peace because it has no unified faith. No universal goal, no universally recognized purpose in life. And if this is the error of our Western world, this is the error of communism. I tell you what communism has done. Communism has taken that perfection which belongs to God, that supreme love which takes away all choice because it's what the heart desires. And communism has taken, has taken that perfection of God and has transferred it to earth. And communism says, we are God. We are perfection. We take away your freedom of choice. Our materialistic, atheistic society therefore does not give you the liberty to choose candidates. It takes away the freedom of suffrage and the right of voting. And it does these things because we are final and we are absolute and we take the place of God and that is why the Soviet Constitution in Article 125 states that the citizens of the Soviet Republic are entitled to freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of press, on condition that they support the communist system. This is not a real freedom. It's only the freedom, freedom of perfection that belongs solely to God and not to a materialized society. Simply because they do have a purpose, they do have a goal, which is the wrong one, namely hate and world revolution, 
They are strong not only in war, they are strong in peace. Strong in peace because they know what they are after. They know the purpose of their philosophy. They are united upon goals. Their destinies indeed are wicked, but at any rate it unites them. So we may summarize, this is the condition of the world. Our Western civilization calls freedom the right to do whatever you please. That's the way you'll find almost everyone in the Western world defining it. Freedom does not mean the right to do whatever you please. Otherwise, it's a physical power, not a moral power. Certainly you can do whatever you please. You can turn a machine gun on your neighbor's chicken. You can stuff Aunt Lucy's mattress with old Gillette razor blades. <laughs> if freedom is only physical power, then only the strong are free. And because this resulted in a chaos and a crisscross of individual egotisms, communism came along and they said, no, freedom is the right to do whatever you must. And so, Frederick Engels said, the co-founder of communism, he said, you hold a stone in your hand and you drop it. That stone is free to fall in obedience to the law of gravitation. And so he says, you are free only on condition that you obey the law of the dictator. This is freedom of an end without the freedom of choice. The end is materialistic instead of divine. Our Western civilization is like the pendulum separated from a clock. This is the clock without a pendulum. And what is the true meaning of friend, of truth? True meaning of, of freedom, rather, is freedom is the right to do whatever you want. Whatever you want. And oftenest implies law implies purpose, and the purpose and the law attained through freedom of choice. For example, I am free to draw a triangle only on condition that I give it three sides. I have to obey the law of a triangle. I'm free to draw a giraffe only on condition I give it a long neck. If I give it a short neck, I'm fine that I'm not free to draw a giraffe at all. If in a stroke of broad-mindedness I give a square five sides, I'm not free to draw a square. Freedom implies some oftenness and some law. And we are free in that law. Very free within it. As a matter of fact, we obey the traffic laws, we're free to drive. The more a man knows about golf, I'm not a golfer, but I know something about it. The more a man knows about the laws of golf and how to hold a club the more free he is to play it. I remember about eight or ten years ago playing golf with someone, and I was always out in the rough, and I came back. Finally got on the green after 48 shots. He said to me, why didn't you write? <laughs> so our blessed Lord said, it's the truth that makes you free. Namely, there must be some end, some goal, Believe me, the more you understand truth, the more you understand the truth of science, the more free you are to be a scientist. The more you understand the truths of the law of God, the more free you are to live and to enjoy life. The laws and the commandments of God are not restrictions of human liberty. When you, for example, buy a, an admiral refrigerator, there are some directions that come with it. One of the directions says, plug it in. Suppose you say, no, I'm not going to have admiral telling me what to do with it. I have a right to do whatever I please, and I will not plug it in. 
You're not free to have a refrigerator. <laughs> you can see, therefore, the tragedy of freedom in the world. God might have made another kind of world than this. Sure. He might have made a world of necessity so that we would all be good with the same necessity that apple trees grow up. He might have made a world in which we would all be virtuous as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But God decided to make a free world and freedom is a risk. It is a terrible risk. Educators, teachers take a risk whenever they let their children out for recess. Parents take a risk when they give their children freedom. And God took a risk. What a risk. When he made man free. And yet, in his infinite wisdom, he knew that it was better to make this universe a veil of character making, a moral universe. But how could he make it moral? Unless he made us free. That was the condition. Man can be virtuous only in a society where it is possible for him to be vicious. Man can be a patriot only in a country where it is possible to be a traitor. One can be a saint only in a church where it is possible also to be a devil. No crowns of merit rest suspended over those who do not fight. They might all go out to enterprise unheeded and alone. Were there not some great moral issues at stake? And therefore God chose to make it possible for us to revolt against his will. And when he gave man human freedom, he will never, never, never to take it back. Never. Do you know what hell is? Hell is the eternal guarantee of human freedom. Man with a clenched fist can raise it eternally in the air and say, non serviam. To his own misery and unhappiness with the free each So he will never to take it back. Because he knew that there would be goodness produced out of all this evil in his own divine way, just as, as the patient submission to evil in this world produce as good as we exchange a blessing for a curse and charity to those who hate and despise and ridicule us. And though it is possible indeed for evil men to commit foul crimes on this earth, the universe never became meaningless with it all because one day he came into this world of ours and took upon himself a human nature and allowed himself to be visited with all of the effects of evil. He submitted himself to the free acts of man, to all of us. And what was the worst thing that free men could do? How could they most abuse their freedom? They could most abuse their freedom 
not by killing babes, not by bombing cities. They could most abuse freedom by slaying goodness itself. In that moment, evil was strongest. It was panoplied in its greatest might. And yet, evil then went down to defeat through the glory of the resurrection. And from that time on, it became possible for all men to submit every now and then to the evil of the world, knowing that united with this divine goodness, there would eventually come a great victory and a great peace. And those who understand freedom then realize that the greatest peace comes from obedience to his will. And the greatest freedom that there is in this world is the freedom to be a saint. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen presents, hosted by Al Smith. Well, my dear friends, I hope you enjoyed this reflection on the topic of freedom that Archbishop Sheen shared with us. And I just think of how he ended so beautifully when he talked about uh, freedom is found in our obedience to his will. And I think of that scripture passage when our Lord said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And how often do we think of those words? Uh, The way for us to love Jesus is to keep his commandments and offer this holy obedience to God, uh, to do his will, to live our life um, in a holy and reverent way. Um, Again, keeping the commandments, honoring the commandments, and teaching the commandments to our children, our grandchildren, friends and family members. Uh, Again, it is following the moral law that will bring peace to the world. And uh, Fulton Sheen stressed that in many of his talks uh, over the years. And I love how he also said, you know, one of the greatest freedoms that we have is the freedom to be a saint. And uh, isn't that what we heard from Mother Angelica for many years on her television shows when she uh, challenged us to become saints and not to miss the opportunity of becoming a saint? Uh, But I will leave you with uh, a quote from uh, Fulton Sheen's writings. Again, it's in the book War and Peace, an anthology. And it's the very last paragraph of the book, And I think it speaks volumes, and so let me share it with you. Fulton Sheen writes, he says, A new crime is arising in the world today. Be prepared for it. The crime of being a Christian. The crime of believing in God. And isn't that so true? It's almost like we're now being treated as criminals because uh, we are Christians and we believe in God. But I am, you know, reassured by our blessed Lord when he said, uh, don't worry, Uh, if you're hated, remember, they hated me first. And so we're in good company. So again, let us all again be, I guess, called criminals uh, for loving the Lord and uh, believing in the faith. And so my dear friends, let us continue to keep praying for one another. Let us continue to uh, just share uh, with one another our spiritual gifts, especially that gift of prayer, uh, praying our rosary. Uh, again, I will remind you, as Fulton Sheen reminded us, to pray a holy hour each day, to carve out some of that valuable time from your schedule, and to put God first. And again, Fulton Sheen would remind us to say, if you can't 
uh, spend an hour, a continuous hour with the Lord, um, you know, break it up in 15-minute blocks if you have to. But again, make that time for the Lord. And um, I know it is a big challenge. It's a hard ask for many of you to um, kind of say, you know, where will I find that hour? Uh, Yes, we have busy lives, but uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, wherever your love is, that's where your time is spent. And for some, it's sports and entertainment, but for others, it's prayer. It's, uh, you know, making time for meditation. And so uh, let us again pray that the Holy Hour will continue to um, uh, come back um, and again be a part of our daily life and our parish life too. Uh, Many of the churches are reopening and many of the adoration chapels have been reestablished again. So let us frequent those chapels and, and make that time for prayer. So again, and uh, I cannot uh, stress enough to, to um, invite you to spread the word about um, this uh, humble program. We're just trying our best every week to uh, pick a few of Archbishop Sheen's fine recordings and share them with you. And so uh, please pray for me and know that I will continue to pray for you. Uh, you can reach me again on my website. It's simply bishopsheentoday.com, and uh, there you'll find hundreds of videos and audio recordings, uh, all at a price that we all can afford. Everything's free, and so who who doesn't like free videos and free audio recordings? And uh, some people do download the recordings and take them with them, so and enjoy them at their leisure. So please do so. But again, the website is simply bishopsheen.com today.com because we need Bishop Sheen today. So again, thanks in advance for your support. Uh, Again, uh, look forward to coming back uh, next week. And I, as I've said before, bring another friend or two and uh, continue to pray for us here at Radio Maria. So until next week, may the good Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. God love you. You have been listening to Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.